The Hearing, a legal podcast from Thomson Reuters. Somebody came in with the newspaper saying, have you seen this article? Why should it cost so much to become a lawyer? Mm. And it doesn't say anything about legal executives. And I said, let me have a look at that. And it was written by the person who'd interviewed us. Really? The person knew yeah. about our qualification route. That doesn't fit the story. It wasn't in the story what the story was about how much it cost to qualify as a solicitor and a barrister. Hello, Kevin here, back with The Hearing Podcast. For today's episode, I joined a few hundred women, and noticeably few men, at the Women in Law Conference, where today's guest, former Silex president Millicent Grant, would later deliver an inspirational speech to the fee-paying crowds. But we managed to get in there first and take the best bits, gratis, for your listening pleasure. Now, can a photo change the world? There's a photo in the family home that gave Millie her drive to pursue a career in law. And from there, she's gone on not only to be a role model to the thousands of women and a few men who are members of the Chartered Institute of Legal Executives, but for another generation within her own community, who, like Silex, she has nurtured and encouraged to flourish. The Hearing. Millie. Thank you for joining us. And now I've got to explain, we usually come and see you in your office. Uh, Our guests usually welcome us with great hospitality. Um, uh, Today, we're not quite there. We're at the Women in Law Summit. Yes. Because you're a speaker. Yes. I'm going to come on to that later. Okay. Um, But but you're welcome here and and, and on behalf of, uh, in behalf of our listeners. Really be pleased. Really (laughs) pleased. Good, good. We'll we'll see what it goes like at the end. so we're going to talk about you mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and your incredible career to date, uh, still going, and really going back right to the beginning and what brought you here. Because we've, we've heard already today in this conference mm-hmm. that there's a lot about role models and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. some inspirational people in people's lives. Was that the case for you? Yes. Um, I, my uncle was a barrister. Wow. And um, I grew up with a photograph of him on the wall in my house. Oh, really? Whereabouts is that? In South London. Okay. Um, he, was, he came here in the Second World War, joined the RAF, and after the war he qualified as a barrister. I think he may have been called to the bar at Middle Temple, ah. I think that's where. And then after the war, he went to Nigeria and spent the whole of his career there practicing. Wow. Yeah, so that's all I knew about him. Oh, so not too much, but, but this sort of photograph on the wall yes, was... Yes, photograph on the wall. It was my mother's brother, mm. so I'm sure she must have been talking to me about, yeah. this is what he's done, this is what your grandfather's done, etc. And I think that would have influenced me, because I've never wanted to do anything else. Oh, really? So you're not born wanting to be a barrister because your uncle is a barrister. <laughs> that was the only reason I wanted to do the law. Yeah. Because he did it. And, and what do you think that motivation was? I don't know. I think I might have been primed. That's why I said my mum was doing some saying okay. something. Yeah, maybe. Because that's all I've ever wanted to do, because my uncle was. Mm. It's usual, because often parents um, sort of mm. dissuade, dissuade their children from doing yeah. what their family do, um, from, often from bad experiences, I'm sure. Yeah. But, but in this case, it really was almost not quite pushed into it yes. but uh, he was unique in the path. family having achieved that right. and we had the photograph of him we didn't have other photographs oh really yeah no we didn't actually wow but I think that's probably a reflection of the time because it was a long time ago yeah. and we didn't even have international telephone calls that were easy to make so we didn't really have much to do with each other and post took over seven days to arrive wow so 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 the the the, the legal profession's calling and uh, and yet you went not the barrister route, you mm. took a slightly different uh, way. And, and the reason why is because, A, 
I didn't know how to go about it. Really? And B, I left school with just a handful of qualifications after retakes. And, but I still had the ambition yeah. to go into law. And um, I decided after upper six to do a one year secretarial course. Because okay. at that time, many girls did that as something to fall back on yeah. and as an entry into a career. And um, one of my youth leaders at church, who happened to be an accountant at Freshfields, ah. said, oh, what were you going to do, Millie? I said, well, I always wanted to do that, but I don't know what, how I'm going to do it now. And he said, have you thought of becoming a lead executive? I'd never heard of a lead executive. So um, really, it was a lifeline for me. Mm. And it was his suggestion that actually led to me taking that route. Right. So uh, I won't ask you to put a date on that because uh, I'm not going to age you. Um, but, but that to me is a bit surprising because when I think of legal executives, mm. uh, chartered legal executives, as I should say, no. um, yes. uh, I don't think of big law firms. Um, mm. uh, suddenly, in my experience, it's usually been sort of high street firms, uh, smaller regional firms that have that have really made the most of and best use of, yes. uh, of legal, chartered legal executives, legal executives as it was. Mm. Um, so Freshfields coming to you and saying that, I, I think yes. was, was I was offered a job at Freshfields. I was offered a job and they were going to sponsor me, but not wanting to give my age away, <laughs> but I will have to. <laughs> they withdrew the offer because, no, they didn't withdraw the offer. They kept the offer, but mm. said they wouldn't support me with my studies. Oh, really? Yes. But, but you think that was an age barrier because you'd not come straight it through? It was a the... gender barrier. Oh, really? It was stated as a gender barrier because they'd made a conscious decision not to support women because the woman they were supporting had gone off and got married. Oh, really? So once, so almost once bitten, twice shy, and you, you ended up suffering as a consequence yeah. of that? No, not really. I just made the decision not to take that offer. Okay. I had three jobs offered to me at the time, yeah. so I took the next one down in pay. Right? Yeah, yeah. In King's Bench Walk. Oh. And I think it was the best thing that happened to me because it was a small firm. Yeah. And knowing what I do now, I think had I gone into Freshfields, A, I would have ended up in conveyancing, which I'm not really keen on, and B, I would have got caught up in that culture. Yeah. But this was a very small firm, Martin and Nicholson, okay. with pictures of Mr. Martin going back from 17 something to 18, oh, really? 18 something to 18 something else. And Mr. Martin was the senior partner. He was, must have been about 75, 80. Wow. Then all the p four partners below him were about 45 downwards. Okay. And it was just so big the gym. best place for me to start because it was like a family. And Everyone was really lovely. And, and we hear a lot about uh, people being recruited in their in sort of in whoever's likeness, it might be. Yes. Was there anyone there like you? One other person. I think she, she was also a secretary. And I think she... She, I think she was also starting to do the exams too. Okay. Yeah. So, that's in, but, but she wasn't recruiting you. What, was, what do you think it was that attracted the firm to you? I think I was attracted to the firm oh. because really and truly, I have been working in the profession a very long time and it was before recruitment agencies really mm. developed and at the time, the law, you'd go along to the Law Society and there'd be two folders, one with those who were looking and another with those that were wanted oh, really? and you just went in and look at the cards yeah. and if and I saw a few that I, I liked yeah so I saw they're looking for secretaries doing x y and z and I applied to them directly and was that always so was the secretarial role always with a view to doing the, yes, only the ever. executive course only ever and, and did they know about that at the time or did you yes I was always very oh, clear about it okay that and was the only reason I would have taken the work if they were going to support me so was this a good entrance into the legal profession? 
It was an excellent way to start because I learnt how things were done without having the responsibility of doing it. Ah. I also um, typed up the attendance notes, typed up the briefs to council, mm. typed up all the documents, convincing conveyances yeah. from scratch, sewed them. Yeah, <laughs> it was of that far back. So and that meant that everything they did went through me before it was produced. So I understood how they had their conversations, how they drafted their instructions to council mm. and their pleadings. Mm. And that was a very good way of learning without yeah. having the responsibility of casework. And it didn't put you off. Um, no, I loved I know it. What I, I, really, like. I really loved it because <laughs> I'd always wanted to do it. And, I, uh, and probably I had the vision it was a means to an end. So you say that's a means to an end, mm -hmm. but at the time, what was that end in your, in your mind's eye? I'd signed up for evening classes after I'd started work. So my mm. end was qualifying. Okay. And I, after one year, I immediately started taking exams and studying. So did that then just become a, well, to do the next bit, I need to do this, to do the next bit, I need to do this? Or did you always have in, in mind what sort of work you would want to do, for example, or? I wanted to do everything <laughs> okay. because it was a generalist practice. Uh, so that's what you were learning from. I wanted to do everything. Yeah. I didn't want to specialize. And um, so I was happy to be a secretary in certain types of work. Yeah. And eventually at some stages I asked them if I could do a little bit of work myself. Yeah. Which I ended up having to do my lunch break. Really? Yes, but I wanted to get the experience because um, I was considered to be quite a good secretary. Yeah. And they didn't want to lose the skills. So this can, this can work against you? Yes, it happens often. Many of our members talk about that. Their employers will pay their fees, mm. give them time off for study, mm. encourage them, but not A, not give them work that is not non-sectarian, yeah. and B, be very difficult with them moving forward. Because I, I, I find this really interesting, and, and, uh, and really what we're talking about is, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of Silex, and you know this, because we go back a little way. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and uh, let's go myself, a Silex ally. Should we go okay. with that? Yes, that's a good one. Given the, th just, the, the way these things are being going with around. That. <laughs> um, so, uh, but I get frustrated, mm. and you know this as well, that the way you came to it was very much, well, it just one person mentioned it to you, and that's the first yes. alert that you got. And, and there are so many people coming through the system since then. Mm -hmm who see as, well, I want to be a solicitor or a barrister and this mm. is the way that I have to do it. And it's, yes. it's, it's really solicitor or barrister. And, and, and only if people do their own research can they often mm. or, or just get a tip from somebody that they know. <clears throat> so they find out about the Silex route, which is yes. fantastic. Um, and, and I know there's a lot of effort going around to change that. But, but in your experience, you've just finished as, uh, as, as um, president for a year. Yeah. Fantastic achievement. Um, but did you notice during that time a shift? Is there, is there more awareness around Silex now? I think that what I call it sometimes the best kept secret. Yeah. And sometimes I think it's deliberately kept a secret. Universities can't make as much money from the Silex course as they can from degrees. You don't need a degree for Silex, but that's, so that's £27,000 they're not going to make, mm. less the cost of a Silex course. Um, I was interviewed by a newspaper which I won't name, <laughs> along, find along with the um, chair of the Bar Council at the time right. and the president of the Law Society at the time. And we were talk they know our professions and yep. we had a council meeting and somebody came in with the newspaper saying, have you seen this article? Why should it cost so much to become a lawyer? Mm. And it doesn't say anything about legal executives. And I said, let me have a look at that. 
and it was written by the person who'd interviewed us. Really? And so, so again, missed opportunities, and, 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 but that's the press being involved in, uh, I, I don't guess, but the legal press I not particularly helpful. I would say deleted opportunity really? removed, because the person knew yeah. that our qualification route. And that doesn't fit the story. And it, was, uh, it wasn't in the story, what the story was about how much it cost to qualify as a solicitor and a barrister. Mm. And, and, and I, I say, I, I think it's fantastic, and I know a lot of people that I work with now, mm. um, and I've worked with in the past, and uh, some of them go on. You're not hampered really in, in many things now. You're not, not now. You're not prevented uh, in any way from going on to be a solicitor, to be a barrister, to be a, a judge. judge. Yeah. Um, but there are still some things where there's not quite a full uh, sort of parity. Yes, the biggest parity issue is the fact that um, anybody, as Alexandra said today, yeah. who's got over five years experience and is a British citizen can apply to become a judge anybody, probably directly at any level. Yeah. Silex fellows have to, with five years experience mm. can't apply for the higher roles beyond a district judge. Oh really? Not directly. And is there some... They can eventually do that. But okay, but they have to go through, through a solicitor route or through... Yes, or, or... they can't apply directly. A solicitor can apply directly to be a higher judge. Yeah, <clears throat> that's interesting. I didn't know that. And that's, sorry, yeah. that was just to say for people who are listening, that's yes, Alexandra that's Marks, who, mm. is, who is a judge and has also sat on the Judicial Appointments uh, Committee. Yes. So she knows what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. and, and what are Silex doing to challenge that? Is there something that you can do? Yes. Well, firstly, I do what I can because I sit on the Judicial Diverse, Judicial Appointments Commission Judicial Diversity Forum. Mm. I also sit on the Pre-Application Judicial Education Working Party. And, and that's an initiative to help underrepresented groups work out whether judicial careers for them and to help them a little bit. What? And also Silex has started a um, judicial development programme to support eligible members who may yeah. be interested. Fantastic. Uh, now you've already picked up on the diversity uh, uh, word, mm -hmm. which I'm going to pick up again again because yeah. you, you're leading me there. Go ahead. <laughs> and, and, and correct these statistics if they're wrong, but Silex, 74% women. At least. At I least 74% women. Um, just incredible. And that's across the, the whole breadth. Is that people coming into Silex or is that no, across I the breadth of the, the membership? Breadth of membership. Wow. And 32% and of new students, particularly from uh, BAME backgrounds. Yeah, black minority ethnic. Yes. Uh, that's that's something which the legal profession has been aspiring to for a long, long time. Mm. What is it that makes the difference with Silex and how can that be translated across to the, to the wider profession? I think we're widening the doors rather than raising the barriers. When I started in the profession, when I started work, I thought, I can become a solicitor, I will just take one exam a year mm. and I could have done that. Yeah. But before I was able to complete that process, they introduced the requirement to have a degree. Right. And that's a big barrier, especially yeah. now when it's so expensive. So expensive. And people don't get grants to gain their degrees. So I think that's one barrier that has implications across various diversity strands. And if they want to um, increase the diversity of their branches of the profession, mm. they need to look at what's necessary and what they can do to bring in those with potential. So one of the ways that they are trying to do this, and um, mm. I'm sure you know about it probably more than I do, but this uh, SQE, the Solicitor's <coughs> Qualification Exam, mm. and, and they're looking at bringing this in as a, a benchmark, and you can pass an exam, and that's the benchmark mm. which allows you to go on to be a solicitor in this case. Now, 
what impacts do you think that will have, A, on diversity, mm. um, and then the second part of the question is on Silex, because is this something which is potentially pulling the rug from under what well, you're doing? Well, to be quite honest, I'm not fully aware of all the details of this. I'm not sure anybody really is yet. This is part of the problem. And, but if it does pose a risk, I know that Silex is doing what it can to prepare itself for the future. Yeah. And we're reviewing our qualification content yeah. and trying to benchmark it against what's going to be required. Yeah. And so we will still be an open entry into the profession. Mm. Because I've been reading quite a lot about it and, and the cost barrier, which you've mentioned already, mm. actually could still be a big issue for people. With um, the SQE? With the SQE, yeah. Okay. And we don't really, again, we don't really know too much yet, but I'm glad it's on your radar. I think <laughs> yes, it's on everyone's definitely. radar. And it's being yes. held as this sort of, um, what's the sort of magic bullet in many ways that's mm. going to resolve everything and resolve the whole diversity issue. I think we're a long, long way away from that yeah. still. When I last read about it, I don't think it really changed much. No. And, and, and again, one of the other criticisms is that it might become this two-tier system within the, within the solicitor's oh, really? profession. Mm-hmm. Well, we've already got, arguably, a bit of a three-tier system going already across the profession. That's true. Um, That's and, true. and being the judiciary, we could extend that out further. Mm. But, but um, I, I'm curious, to, I guess, to know how you are taking these, well, huge numbers of women mm. and sort of preparing them for what are still quite clearly difficulties in progression yes. uh, in, in, the, in the profession, in their own workplaces even. And yes. I know I'm coming, I've done my research, uh, really. Um, uh, your, your judicial, uh, sorry, judicial, your presidential year yeah. uh, was progression yeah. in the profession. Yes, yes. I like it. It's, mm. I like, uh, there's some alliteration there. Yes. Um, but was it more than just alliteration? Did you, did no, you see I'm what happened? No, I'm very serious about it because I, I've seen what our members have to face to get through there. So the progression is not just about being behind them, but it's pushing their their employers to pull them. Yeah. And it would be to, to their advantage because Christina referred this so Christina morning. Black Laws, the uh, president of the Law Society. Yes. Yeah. When she gave a presentation this morning, referred to the things actually are quite illegal. Yeah. And some of them are. Yeah. When you look at what it takes to to commit um, indirect discrimination, yeah. un, um, unfair pay, yeah. equal pay for equal work. Yeah. I, I spoke to one member who said he works in a very large firm. I looked on the website, they've got all the right things on there. Yeah. Yes, he, he had same charge out rate as solicitors, same work mm. as solicitors, mm. brings in significant amounts of money, mm. and his firm were refusing to pay him the same amount and he was talking to me about that because he had a meeting the next day with the senior partner mm. and he had arts before. Uh, How can they justify that when the um, regulators say that it's outcome-based? You're absolutely right. And um, there were other things as well. I find it interesting that you're talking about a man in that position because yeah. if it had been a woman, mm. then I feel like more would be said about it, more would be done about it. And is that... Because you, you've got a lot of women there, but you've also got... A, I'm loath to bring this up, but a minority of men. What are you doing to appeal to the men? It's I think we appeal to the men anyway because it's something that enables them to live their lives and study and work and progress. Yeah. And if they want to go on and cross-qualify, which some of them do, they can do that and still have their family. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I really love seeing at the graduation 
is older people, mm. grey-haired people coming and getting their graduation certificates and their families are there, yeah. babies, wheelchairs, grandmas, whooping, I think there's a story there. Yeah. You know, they've worked and they've moved through. Some men, they would have been locked out not having the degree. Yeah. They would never be able to afford to get that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and you talk about these stories and, and uh, I've not been to a graduation but I've been at a couple of your events before and the mm. stories that come through are really inspirational, as is yours. Um, and and to, to look at what you've got on to achieve now through through Silex, but uh, talk about what you're doing now, because you, you, you've got your own you've got your own work going on. Yes. You're, not, you're not only a spokesperson. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, um, for the last ten years, I've worked for myself, and I've offered my transferable skills. So, and I was also trained as a coach, mm. a corporate and executive and personal performance coach. So for seven years until just before my presidency, mm. I was an associate with a coaching organization, right. did a lot of coaching with senior um, managers, particularly in the education field. Right. And um, I also, it was mainly that, I did training during this 10 years I've done that. I've delivered the level three diploma in law and practice for Silex. Oh, right. Yeah, wow. so I got, I got the um, PETALS, which is level four qualification, yeah. parents teaching the lifelong learning sector as part of the contractual requirement Gosh. for delivering that evening class. So that's something extra that I've got as well. And I love doing investigations. So I used to do employment law for quite a long time. So employment law, investigations, mm. probity standards related. Mm. So I've done corporate governance work. So I've done a lot of different things independently as a consultant, reviewed constitutions, done big investigations and stuff like that, so yes. And, and you also mentioned you you some diverse judicial diversity committee for the JAC, but you're also director of justice, is this right? I'm on justice council. On the council, sorry. On the council Thank of you. justice, yeah. And, and so tell us about that, how did that come about? They approached me, so I don't know Fantastic, what caused yeah. to approach me, but it's something that I'm really committed to, the cause yeah. and what they promote. And also, for me, it's a, a, a place that perhaps I can have influence. Yeah. Positive influence. Well, I, I, I know about other positive influences you've been making. I feel like this is your life now. But um, talk us about the, the, the Knights Youth Centre, which you've mm -hmm. been involved with for a long, long time. Yes, quite a long so time. So talk about, talk about the, the organisation, how you get in, became involved. Uh, and the organisation, um, it's a Christian organisation, not affiliated to a church. Yeah. So, um, in fact, the person who told me about becoming a legal executive was, um, I think, one of the founder members, either founder member right. or founder who yeah. set it up. So it's been going since 1936. Oh gosh. Yeah. Okay. And it's independent, <laughs> but its independence has been its strength. Because whereas many publicly funded youth yeah. clubs have closed yeah. um, because of lack of funding, we've managed to maintain our funds. Mm. And, and tell, so, so what's, what is it about? What happens there? Who are you working alongside? We work with young children and young people between eight and up to about 24 now. Okay. We used to run a program for um, people 18 to 24 mm. called TILAP. It was Training Youth Leaders Apprenticeship Program. Okay. We had some remarkable life-changing stories through that. Um, youngsters who may have had criminal records, been barred from school, had difficult backgrounds, mm. who um, we gave them work experience. We got them qualified at level three and level four 
quite a number of them now have gone on to get degrees from London University, other universities. One is currently doing a master's degree. And she was somebody I know her from when she was 17. Yeah. And I was training her because I delivered some training as part of the course in workplace skills and employability skills. Yeah. And I remember seeing her change from a young lady who was um, sometimes a bit stroppy yeah. to a, a grown woman and taking on positions of responsibility and still working in the club on a voluntary basis. That's incredible. Sometimes is really good uh, uh, and like, rewarding. Uh, rewarding, but, but also there are certain similarities and crossovers with what's happening with Silex as well. The, the, mm. the people are so take, given these opportunities and, yeah. and I suppose how important in that sense are role models within Silex but also alongside the work that you're doing with the charity? Well, I think um, with Silex, we have a lot of potential role models that are not actually above the surface and seen. Yeah. So we have two I can think of immediately, a man and a woman. Mm. But there are many others. Mm. There are many, other, many who are partners in their firms. I'm thinking of two in particular, um, who are the high profile ones. And there's a female who became very high in the corporate sector. Right just went stratospheric <laughs> and she was still a chartered legal executive yep. she didn't have to cross qualify or anything and another person who's a specialist in his field is now an equity partner in one of the biggest firms yeah and I, I think it's a badge that people wear proudly yes uh, certainly the, the people that I know are, are more than happy to share with me that they came through that route yes and, and, and are ambassadors for mm. it but perhaps there's scope for changing the strategy of how we promote them because yeah. the man that I told you about mm is often written about in the paper yeah. as a solicitor or lawyer. Yeah. And, and um, so unless the, the report is accurate as mm. to what they are, the perception will never change. Mm. Be- yeah, yeah, there was a, a, I remember a campaign a few years ago where it was all about sort of the brand of solicitor. And, and it was on the tubes, it was on the buses, okay. they were on the billboards everywhere, and it was about solicitor, solicitor, because it was, it was being lost a little bit amongst these sort of broader terms, and lawyer, you've mentioned, is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, there, is, is there a, well, I don't know, how, how do your members describe themselves? Sometimes they describe themselves by their job title, mm. because sometimes that means something within the firm yeah. and to their clients. So some of our members have said it can be misleading sometimes. Mm. and confusing. Mm. So um, I think many of them would say they're chartered legal executives on a one-to-one basis. Yeah. But if it means something to attach to themselves the title yeah. that the firm gives them, yeah. then it gives them a position in the firm that's clear and well-defined. Yeah, yeah, that's unusual as well because I, I see a lot of job titles in law firms. I don't know what most of them mean. <laughs> uh, and I'm not entirely sure that people do either. Mm. Uh, it's just another rung on the ladder to usually to partnership. Um, so so uh, tell us a, a, a bit about so what's coming up for you because you've you've had your presidential year Mm. there's certainly a lot of movement there's a lot of change in the legal profession right now Uh, you've got your you've got your uh, business you've got all these little side hustles going on on boards and uh, and the coaching and doing uh, uh, the mentoring how does the future look for you to be honest I don't know you might think I should have a direction to my life, but the last three years or so have been completely <laughs> unplanned. Uh, I'd, I'd never ever had any um, branch membership involvement before. Oh really? No. Through, through, through Silex? <laughs> no, I, not that I can recall. 
never been a member of a branch. So what was it that what was it that attracted you? I had worked in Bournemouth for about six months part time doing a consultancy. Yeah. And when I and I was also a member of BNI, you may have heard. Yeah, yeah. Networking organisation and they said Early morning well, breakfast meetings, that's what I know about. So it's <laughs> yeah, too early for early. me. I was coming home from work on Wednesday night and then getting up at five no. to go in Thursday mornings. And then one morning I woke up and I went to move but nothing nothing happened my body just didn't move it was really awful I said no I have to stop but anyway they decided they weren't passing business to me because I was out of London so often um, so when the work in Bournemouth finished yeah. then I realised I need to start to build up my networks again yeah. and I decided to network differently and they were relaunching the Essex branch and I decided to go along there Got and it. I walked away from the Essex, I think it was the year they got the charter, mm. because they were there mm. with the charter and the big On the road show. seal. <laughs> yeah. And um, I walked away from that evening with an invitation to apply for the tutor role. Right. And an invitation to apply to be co-opted onto council. Fantastic. Silex council. Yeah. And that's where my involvement started. Where does it go from here? We don't know. We'll have to watch the space. It's just exciting in a way to see what can happen. Yeah. Because I've just, I've made a decision a while back, probably around about the time I was at Bournemouth, to say yes to more things more often than no. Yeah. And, and just see what happens because quite often the things that I've regretted are the things that I haven't done. So what advice would you have for somebody who's at school now thinking, I've seen a, I've seen a photo on the wall, uh, I've seen my uncle in his gowns and his wig, I fancy a bit of that. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the advice? If it's law that they want to go into, I would say consider the Silex route. Because nice plug. Well done. Yeah, I have what to. What else? <laughs> because they might not be in a position to afford or academically go straight from school to take a degree. Yeah. And actually, what you achieve at school is not the limit of your potential. And I think it helps to know at that stage that that's the truth. Mm. Because I left school, as you know, not exactly what I left with, but with insufficient, even probably to go to college. Yeah. And I've since gone on, got a master's degree with merit. Yeah. And, but all the time until then I was carrying that I wasn't quite good enough. Yeah. Because I had tried and didn't succeed with getting what others needed. Yeah, well you're lucky you've achieved so much and you are a role model and you're an inspiration to people and uh, thank you for saying yes, as you're saying to more things, uh, for saying yes to this. <laughs> thank and, you, it's been a pleasure. Uh, well thank you and uh, I look forward to catching up again soon. We will. <laughs> the Hearing. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Please like us or just follow and subscribe. We also want your feedback, so rate and review us or get in touch using the hashtag TheHearingPodcast. The Hearing, a legal podcast from Thomson Reuters. To find out more, go to tr.com forward slash the hearing or subscribe via iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.